To another episode of Sometimes Dead is Better. And it's me, Kristen. And me, Chris. And if you're just joining us, this is a podcast where two friends talk about their favorite horror movies, right? Or just the most recent horror movies they've seen. Uh huh. And Chris, you bring your crazy theories that you come up with, which are always 100% on point and never like just spur the moment or anything like that. No. Uh, and then I try and tie in my love of true crime somehow, some way. Your obsession. Yes. <laughs> well, do, do we want to talk about our um, our Instagram handle and our Twitter? Oh, sure. <laughs> I'm using all those words right. <laughs> Is it a handle? Instagram handle? I think so. Okay, good. I'm not really sure. Because, yeah, we still want to hear from you guys. We need ideas for movies. Right. We're fast running out of ideas. I mean. <laughs> the list is going by faster than we realize. <laughs> right. So if you guys want to give us some... Of ideas for movies to do or also if you just want to tell us what your favorite horror movies are or your first memories of your first scary things you've seen you know we'll talk about it on air maybe you'll bring up something that brings up a memory with us and we forgot oh I did see that when I was five and that's why I like to masturbate to whatever whatever <laughs> <laughs> who knows what's going to come up so write into us uh, on Instagram, we are at Sometimes Dead Podcast. And then on Twitter, we're at Sometimes Dead 4. And we also have a Facebook page, which is just Sometimes Dead is Better, I think. Yeah, but, I have no access to it. So no. who knows what happens on there? Oh, I, it's getting wild. <laughs> they have like 55 followers. <laughs> oh, I forgot. What I need to do is not set up. I set up a page. What I need to do is make a group. So that oh, way people can idea. join. Yeah. And then we can all talk about horror movies there or our favorite horror movies. I think that'd be really fun. Are you talking about on Facebook? Yes. Okay, we so, always have to tell me what happens. Oh, uh, <laughs> you guys just have to get back on. Just right. bite the bullet. I'll and give do it a it. shot. I'll give it a shot. All right. So, Chris, before we get into our movie, what have you been watching? So, I've been um, a little uh, lax lately. I haven't watched anything terribly new. I've been rewatching the last, I guess, two seasons of uh, Game of Thrones. Okay. Because uh, I, I figure when this airs or pods or whatever you call it, it'll be April uh-huh. probably, right? I think so. And that's when a new season starts. So it's been a couple of years. I kind of forgot what happened. So I rewatched seasons seven and well, season six and seven of Game of Thrones. And I thought we could talk about uh, what because I know you watch a show, mm-hmm. and I think everybody watches the show. So in light of the new season coming out, maybe we can talk about what we think is going to happen in the final season. I don't know. It's so hard to know with them. That's what's so great about the show, I think. Well, I guess we can yeah, narrow our question and our scope to who, if anyone, is going to get on Iron Throne and who is going to die the most violently. Because <laughs> right. they're all probably going to die. Um, I want to see Jon Snow's butt again. On the Iron Throne. Oh, you yeah. mean just generally? <laughs> That'd be cold. I don't know. Um, I mean, obviously you want Cersei to be taken down, even though she's become this powerhouse it's, kind of, yeah awesome you know yeah female rage force <laughs> right it's like some of that is justified but then she's also pretty yeah. evil <laughs> um and I, I mean i want Daenerys to obviously 
I mean, what I would hope, I guess we can say that, I would love for Daenerys to take over and rule everything that she'd like, and then John to just kind of go back to Winterfell and become Lord of Winterfell. Yeah, or be your husband, be like the first uh, man. I don't know what you call it. The, right. The king, I guess. Yeah, I guess he'd be the king. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty standard. And I mean, I it seems like back then it wasn't as big a deal. I mean, even up to like what? Didn't Roosevelt... Weren't they all kind of... Well, yeah, like, when the show, like, they, they make the point that, you know, like, one of the reasons that Jamie or that their Cersei gives for sleeping with her brother is that, well, the Targaryens did all the time, you know. Yeah, well, I'm not for it, personally, but, I mean, Jon Snow does not know his aunt. Right. I mean, it, it seems to me so... I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe it shouldn't happen. I don't know. I think it's fine because they're both so hot, right? Is that <laughs> right. all that matters? That's all that matters. They're both so hot and powerful. I mean, maybe they, they nothing alike. They just don't have children together. Yeah, they may as well not be related at all. Um, well, so you seem to be Team John, Team Danny. I'm all the way Team Sansa. Oh, okay. I want her on the Iron Throne. That's been my favorite storyline, probably, is like her going from the sort of spoiled, meek, kind of girly girl type. To, you know, just like the, you know, again, rage monster she is now. Yeah, I would also uh, like her to just be able to relax, too, though. No, I want okay. her completely. I, lo- I love her exactly how they left her, which is like in charge. And right. like, you know, like, you know, I like how little finger is sort of mentored and developed her. <laughs> and then they were like off with his head. Right. But now she knows. Uh, I mean, he's kind of helped her because now she sure. knows, you know, you know, he told her to expect the worst in every single possible situation and then kind of you know, approach life that way. And that seems to be what she does. And so would she kind of rule with Arya as like hand of the king sort of thing? Ooh, that'd be good. Or like your Arya could be like her hound, like her assassin. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, so that's who I hope uh, gets it. Although I don't see what claim she has, but at this point, you know, it seems who cares? I mean, they're all just killing each well, other. Well, I guess so then they're also bringing back the other Baratheon. They're trying to find Gendry. Yeah. Well, he's back. He's back, but he doesn't seem to care. He's just kind of happy to run around, you know, helping out. I know, but if he's the only one who has the true right to the throne. Yeah, but see, they were, you know, usurpers to begin with. So it's all, you know, completely crazy. Like, there's no one that really has a true right. So it could be anybody. And yeah. maybe they will all join forces to defeat the, the White Walkers. Walkers. yeah. And then maybe after they defeat that, then maybe all hell will break loose again. I think that's the idea, yeah. I oh, think- is it? Well, that's kind of where they're heading towards okay. the end of last season. I mean, I just watched it. So, what do you think Tyrion wants to do? Just, I mean, it seems like he might want to retire on a beach. With- I, well, I would be happy if Tyrion was on the Iron Throne too, but I'm afraid I think he's going to die. I just do because he's yeah. They kind of set it up that way. He's kind of the most sympathetic character, and um, he's had the biggest arc. It would just make sense if they end up killing him. I'd be very sad, but yeah, I think kind of like also in the Marvel movies. I think I don't think Iron Man's going to make it out. Oh no, yeah, probably not. Um, but yeah, that makes sense. So that's our uh, Game of Thrones corner. <laughs> Game of Thrones corner. Well, what have you been watching? I was going to talk about, um, I started the new season of Documentary Now. You know, it's the, if those of you who don't know, it's kind of like a satire of documentaries made by Fred Armisen and Bill Hader, who are just two of my favorites. And so I started the first season. So the first two episodes are um, a spoof of Wild Wild Country. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I is, saw. I was gonna say I saw the first season and I absolutely loved it. Mm. Where they did the um, you know Great Gardens and a few other things. But. Yeah, the second season was great too. This I'm not sure if I saw any of that. But. And so the first two episodes are like a two parter, 
and it is done so well. Um, the the main like Maharaji type guy is played by Owen Wilson. Oh god, that's good. Yeah. And then they have um, a character playing the woman. She even gets a tough titties in there. Those of you who have seen it, you understand. It's it's really well done. It's so much like the original too. Like just the in the the look of it and the story. I swear some of the people were the same people. I know they weren't, but it was like it was that good. And um, it was called like batshit crazy country or something. <laughs> and then the second episode we watched, we watched the John Mulaney one, um, which is has John Mulaney and then there's tons of people. I mean Richard Kind. Um, it's like a failed Broadway show. And they wrote him and Seth Meyers wrote all the songs, and the songs are so good. It's so funny. So um, I recommend watching documentary now. There's a few more episodes out, and they're right in the middle of the third season right now. So if you have like on demand, you can watch them on IFC. They're so wonderful. Well, I need to catch up because I absolutely love the first season. I just maybe I didn't have cable or something when the new one came out, but now I do. So I'm very excited. Cool. Um, so, um, well, what are we? Uh, what are we drinking, Kristen? Well, we have a couple things yeah. going on I guess on I here. should talk about this since I provided today. Yes. But, so this is uh, the movie we're discussing uh, on this episode is It Follows. And if you have seen the movie, you know, I mean, I don't know. I cannot find a good, obvious alcoholic beverage <laughs> that matched this fucking movie. I'm so I'm sorry. You guys put a lot on us, honestly. <laughs> we, we try very hard and I'm sorry if we failed. But what I did find was a nice Pinot Noir called J. Uh-huh. It's the letter J, um, and that is, you know, I'm just being honest, it's the closest thing I'm going to find. The main character's <laughs> name is J. Is that enough for you people? Yeah, so okay. much burden they put on us. Right. Um, that said, it is. Uh, I think we agree, it's a delicious wine. It's yeah. a Pinot Noir. It's from California. I don't quite see what the region is. But if you're looking for it, it's a big yellow J on the cover, or the label. It says Sonoma County. Ooh, fancy. I don't know. Uh, it's in the 20s range. I'm just going to, you know, a little fancy. Uh, <laughs> We invest a lot in this podcast, guys. Um, but more importantly, and the thing I'm more excited about is in this movie, the the young characters, uh, they seem to be drinking uh, exclusively some sort of shitty uh, soda the whole time. Right. It's, it looks to be called Crush last time I looked. I don't know if it's a real soda or not. There's no well, way. Well, there like, is an orange Crush, that, but I think those ones were made up. There was one she was drinking a cola, which is in the pool, which right. is like a cola. Right. And they drink out of straws. Uh, this movie takes place in around the Detroit area, I figured out. And I know in Detroit, Fanta is very big. I know that because of the Insane Clown Posse. Um, have you ever, do you know about Insane Clown Posse? Not really. Okay. Well, I, I, mean, wor- I worked with a, what do you call, what do they call themselves? Juggalos. Yes. I worked with one okay. at Starbucks. So you know enough. <laughs> well, I went to a show with my friend once uh, back in like, uh, it was at Five Points Music Hall in Birmingham in like 1999 or something. Oh, wow. My friend was a juggalo. I went, and it was the craziest thing I've ever seen. But at one point, the the ICP guys take bottles of juggalo, which is some sort of very popular soda up in Detroit, and they just spray it all over the audience. And the people, the jugglers, just go crazy. It's like a whole thing. Like it's Wouldn't that be sticky? It's just, Yeah, I don't know. But it's, they drink it. They love it. It's like just part of their culture. That said, that's why I know they drink that up in that area. But they do drink a lot of sodas, and so we're going to try a strawberry Fanta. Yeah, we're drinking a strawberry Fanta. We have our straws ready. Yep, even though that's bad for the environment. I'll take them home and recycle them. So we're trying for the very first time strawberry Fanta, and we're just imagining we're in the above-ground pool in the backyard <laughs> of a shitty Detroit neighborhood. Okay, ready? Go. Hmm. It kind of tastes like an icy... 
Mm-hmm. You know, those ices you get at Kmart? Yeah, like when it gets down to like just the end mm. when all the ice is gone. So, um, we agree it's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we're putting that on our, our front porch next to our card game. Okay, so again, we're doing the 2014 movie It Follows, which right. was directed and written by David Robert Mitchell. This was a big hit. Comparatively, yeah. I read online they made this for like maybe a million dollars and it wow. made 20 times that so i mean most movies make 20 million dollars and that's like okay whatever maybe a bomb uh, but movies like this i mean that's um huge so kudos well again i think i talked about david robert mitchell's other movie he had made under silver lake right i saw I, the preview for it with andrew garfield and when i looked it up it's on the preview i swear it said coming to blu-ray and dvd mm. But then I looked up the on IMDb and it says, "Sorry, I'm sick again right, because really? I have children and they pass disease around like the little monkey in Outbreak." But um, and it said that it's coming out in April, so oh, I don't know well, if good. it that, ha- hasn't good. been released, if it's going to be released in theaters or what. Well, either way, that's good because that, that means it didn't just go away, you know. Because right. uh, he's obviously a very talented director. So I don't know uh, much about him. I didn't really do much research on him, but uh, well, I've, this is a second full length movie. The first one was more like a student-type film, but apparently it's supposed to be pretty good. It's not a horror film, but it's supposed to be good. It kind of looked almost like a Dazed and Confused type thing. I'm not sure. We should try and find it, though. Something about the American sleepover or something? Right, right. This movie has an interesting... uh, I think we'll just talk about one of my favorite things about it, which is the sort of aesthetic of this movie. This is of a piece with a lot of other movies lately. It has this sort of fascination, I think, with um, kind of 80s culture, don't you think? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, So, you know, obviously It. um, Stranger Things. Stranger Things, for sure. Um, The Perks of Being a Wallflower, maybe. You know, there's a lot of movies. um, I guess what I'm saying is there seems to be a a tendency with younger filmmakers these days to, for whatever reason, be fascinated by that time period. But... This, right. this doesn't take place during the 80s either. No. It just has a certain vibe. Yes. So some of the uh, girls or some of the people dress kind of, you know, 80s, sometimes 90s. Sometimes there's no real time period. Uh, and then generally the, the, you know, the general vibe of the movie is there's, it seems to be almost like timeless. I did read online that the director wanted to be like a sort of dreamlike quality to everything. So you can't really pinpoint a time period. So, for instance, in the sort of iconic car where Jay, our main character, sleeps with um, Hugh, right? Um, who we'll talk about, that starts all this. That's it looks like a sort of seventies, maybe late sixties car. Well, yeah, and so Greg has the same sort of car, right? But right. also on the road, you see Subarus, or I saw, like I pointed out to you, I saw a Ford Probe, which is like an early two thousands car. But and then like everything in between, so it's really there's no way to say what time it is which yeah. is fine but then also there's no not really any cell phones Annie in the beginning has a cell phone right um, but no one's playing on their phone so only but, thing but yes. Yara is playing on her strange compact uh, like compact like the makeup thing e-reader yeah. which to my knowledge doesn't even exist because there's a lot of to do with nostalgia in this movie a lot to do with growing up to me a lot to do with they talk a lot about when when they were kids and things like that so maybe it's kind of like stuck from what they remember, right, the same kind of right, TVs yeah. and stuff. But kind of like we remember your childhood, you don't necessarily. You may be inserting things in your mind that weren't even there. Like well, even newer even cars like they or, they the blankets they use are Afghans, which is what my mom always had. And then the TVs are old. It, I mean, like if I was looking at it literally, I'd like to think that this is um, like way in the future where we've kind of like realized we maybe 
we've been destroyed by so much technology that we've kind of gone back to a simpler time. Or we just kept like the best things we liked. <laughs> yeah. And so we just realized that we don't need all that shit and we just kind of have moved on and we have fixed up the old car that we needed and we use the old TVs and we don't rely on that. We've kind of gone back to the basics. This is like a been a, this is way too deep, like a civilization that's been built back up where it's like, hey, it's no, fine yeah. to just sit on the front porch and play old maid. Yeah. Like, there is this, uh, sense of a sort of like a blighted kind of landscape almost Mm -hmm. Uh, i think my friend our friend amy would call it elatonian she said that once years ago and i made fun of her so much for it oh my god but i think about it all the time because it's uh uh, you know it makes sense there's just almost like i think that the way you're talking about it makes a certain amount of sense not that there's literally been some sort of post-apocalyptic right you know hellscape or something but there's this general sense of like you know uh and I think a lot of it has to do with where it's set, um, which is uh, kind of the outskirts of Detroit, mm-hmm. which, you know, everyone knows. I mean, Detroit is a fine I've never been there, but, I mean, we all know Detroit is a fine city, but they have had their own economic, you know, issues, you know, with the, you know, car industry crumbling at the time. And, you know, Eminem's going to a whole career out of it. Right, 8 um, Mile. Right. They referenced but, 12 Mile at one point. And then, no, they say 8 Mile. Oh, they, they mentioned they both. Like it, yeah. um, and also, I think... Growing up, I, you always heard that Detroit was the murder capital of the world right, right, and yeah. things like that. It's kind of out in the culture like that. Yeah. Right. Uh, so I think part of it, and you know, like, you know, and if you look at the neighborhood they live in, which I love so much because, you know, most movies, if there's, they're set in the suburbs, it's set like in a sort of you know, newer suburb of the time, whatever. And this is set in a suburb that looks like it's straight up like 1970s or something. It reminds me very much of the, like, Neighborhoods in where I grew up, right? Um, where I used to like go sleep over, or whatever, and, the, yeah. and all these kind of ranch houses, yeah, and, the ranch brick houses, right? Yeah. Um, kind of not great yards, and uh, you know, nothing's yeah, there's plastic chairs on the front porch, yeah, yeah, it's very realistic. When she walks in through that, um, like greenhouse that it's just full of shit and like an old TV, yes, yeah, that's that's so real. I mean, that's yeah. what my friend's houses look like, and all above up. the ground pool that they're quite pleased with, yeah. but you know, you can never get away with that in most sort of. HOA type neighborhoods these days, right? Um, but it kind of adds this. Uh, on one hand, this sort of idealized like childhood kind of vibe. On the other hand, you get the sense they're not really, uh, you know, they don't have a lot of money, maybe, right? Which is kind of cool. Oh well, yeah, obviously the mom is working a lot. Yeah. Um, she. You know, they don't really show. You know, you don't really see the parents' faces. Yeah, or, uh, that's what's kind of. And I was wondering about that too. Is that because if you're thinking back? To your childhood, can you picture your mom's face like as as a young kid? Um, I, I don't know. That's what I was thinking. Like, but they never show that they should kind of show the mom's face in the hospital, mm-hmm. but they never really focus on it. It's always kind of in the back, or they're always kind of in the background yeah. doing other things. Um, and then you see her. Most the adults are like that in the movie. Yeah. If you think about it, yeah. Other than the monster, I guess. But uh, right. And then you see at one point the mom asleep has like obviously passed out in the bed. She still got her shoes on. They pan to a bottle of wine. You know, I mean, so she's having a hard time. She and they mention that she gets up every morning at five a.m. She's making ends meet, which again reminded me of Eight Mile. Remember the Eight Mile? They get up early to go to the, work at the muffin factory or whatever. I don't remember that. Eminem <laughs> worked at a muffin factory. <laughs> His girlfriend. I don't remember. Okay, so I thought we'd just talk about um, quickly um, the very first opening scene, which is to me iconic. Only being four years old, right? Um, but it, it's sort of the key, I think, to the whole tone of the movie the whole aesthetic movie and obviously what is generally happening movie which you can't really figure out from the first scene but you watch it again and you see kind of all the the clues and everything so it opens with annie 
uh, a girl named Annie running out of her house, uh, sort of chased by, not chased, but her father's running after her, basically. Like asking if she's okay. Yeah, and you kind of think, okay, was this something to do with the dad? That seems to be like a red airing a little bit. Uh, she runs out in the middle of the street. This is you get your first glimpse of this sort of the same neighborhood or neighborhood like it where the whole film is set. But it's also very unnerving because she's wearing like a little skimpy pajama outfit with high heels. Right, right. She's wearing red high heels. Yeah. yeah. So I keep get. I'm, I'm worried about what happened. Why right. is she going to fall on those heels? It's just it's something about it. Is yeah. Very... So um, my thoughts on that though, because that seems to be a very crucial. Because I didn't even notice that the first time. I noticed that she's wearing basically pajamas, what looks like maybe boxers or something. She's mm-hmm. not really, she's not really close up on her, and and that's like I don't want to get too close to the TV to be pervert on this girl. <laughs> but it looks like she's wearing basically, she's basically undressed. Can we agree on yes. that more or less? But except for the red high heels, so you're like, oh, is this like a a date gone wrong or or? But none of that doesn't really make sense because why would she be st- still wearing her heels? Um, I mean, maybe I don't know. Uh, there's, it, you know, has she been raped? Uh, what exactly is going on here? Um, but what I think it is supposed to do, because I think it works more on a subconscious level, because it did to me, not even noticing the red heels, is that it's sort of this introduction to this sort of femininity of the movie. Hmm. These ideas on what these girls endure throughout the movie, which uh, mainly what we witnessed with Jay. Who's a very pretty girl, mm-hmm. right? They all kind of comment on that, right? And just all the kind of shit she has to go through being a kind of pretty girl in this world. And so, what I think what they're kind of showing, just in a very minimal way, is like these these this view of what we expect from these type of girls, which is we expect a certain amount of sophistication. You know, kind of eye the red heels. You know, we want them to be kind of dressed up, but ultimately, at the end of the day, they're also kind of sex objects. Oh, yeah. And so in the first scene, we get the first of our a few three sixty degree shots, with the camera moving all the way around and around. Yeah, he really likes that. It's really mm-hmm. effective in the first scene because you don't really know. I guess, it, and this is true of every time he does it, you don't know what you're supposed to be looking for. Right. Um, I suppose by the end of the movie, you kind of know more what you're supposed to be looking for. But the first time, you don't know what exactly to put your eyes on. And of course, there's nothing really to see, which is kind of even more creepier. Right. Uh, but then, and so it cuts to. Annie making that tragic phone call to her dad, which just killed me. Um, and then an instant cut to her mutilated body, which looked right out of Hannibal, didn't it? Like yeah, a scene it from- reminded me a little bit of Jaws when they find the body on the beach. Maybe oh. it's just literally a body on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, very Hannibal. Um, and you don't know exactly what... You have no idea what happened at yeah. this point. You know she didn't commit suicide. <laughs> no, that'd be but hard. The red heel is a very visual, yeah. very obvious in, that, You're in right. that scene. I still don't know why I never noticed that. I was probably more noticed on her, I guess, her leg being in a natural position. <laughs> right. Set of characters. And it starts with a very, a very voyeuristic shot. We start, we kind of zoom in on Jay getting into the pool. We kind of come in through her backyard. Yeah, so Jay's our main character, mm-hmm. uh, as our delicious wine is in honor right. of. Uh, she appears to be in college, right? Well, we know she's in college because yeah. he attends a college class. So yes. she's you know, 19, 20, something like that. But still lives with her mom. Uh, she has a younger sister named Kelly. They seem to be friends. You mm-hmm. know, they, I like that. They kind of get along. There's no real kind of Right. You, could, you couldn't tell if they were sisters or friends. Yeah, I thought they were friends at first. But they're both. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> Then there's a couple other straggler characters. There's Paul, who appears to be more Kelly's friend. He's younger anyway. Right. They work they, at the Dairy Queen together. And they've all been friends for since they were kids, though. Right. 
And then Yara, whose relationship is unclear, is that Paul's sister or just another friend? I think it's another friend. There's another friend, okay. Um, And so they kind of have this friend group. Kelly, I'm sorry, Jay is um, very attractive. She has fantastic bangs. I think we. She has big princess eyes. Right. Like she looks like Elsa came to life. She does, you know, but also she has kind of a sort of a hip vibe to her. You know, she wears these cool. She wears a lot of dresses, you know, like with, you know, jackets over them. Mm-hmm. I'm you know, thinking Buffy a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, and she's nice, you know. She is nice. She's very, she's very interested on tiny things around her. What Now, what do you think that is about? Can we go ahead and talk about that? Sure. But there's a lot of th- um, shots of her. One of her looking at the tiny ant crawling on her arm. One of her looking at the blades of grass. One of her playing with the small weeds before she gets chloroformed. Um, I mean, what is it? Is she? I just don't know what that means in terms of her character. It's got to mean something. There's got to be some reason why she's focused on these small things. I don't know. On one hand, it could be that that's a clue on how she notices that she's being followed because she's she's so in tune to everything around her anyway that she's obviously going to notice someone you know yards away making a beeline to her. Um, but no, I don't really know exactly. I mean, right after she sees the little ant on her arm in the pool she drowns it <laughs> and then um, she looks up and there's the little boys who are peeping at her right we immediately learn that uh, Paul the younger friend has a bit of a crush right. on Jay and it seems to be obvious yeah it's super sad from the get go <laughs> <laughs> because you know her friend his friend Yara probably kind of likes Paul a little bit I don't know she, she seems kind of independent if this was a sitcom that's what it would be right. yes she does kind of seem to have her own thing going on so good for Yara but I mean, she also just seems to be fine reading her compact. Her, her, what is she reading? The it's, Iliad. She's reading the Idiot. Oh right. By Dostoevsky, um, <laughs> on, on a eggshell compact mirror e-reader that doesn't seem to exist. That could be from 2040 or 1988. <laughs> We're not really sure. Yeah, and, so, and then also they're watching an old black and white movie, which looks right. like it's from the 50s. I don't know if it's a real movie or not. Let us know if it is. Do you know if it is? I can't tell. Uh, it is. It okay. is. I, I Googled it earlier, but I, I forget what it is. Oh, it's from like, it came from outer space. I think that's okay. what it's called. It yeah. looks like one of the ones that they would have done like in the early Mystery Science Theater 3000s, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. I, I do like the idea of these young teenagers that are, you know, they like watching old movies, going to see old movies. You know, I, you can tell this is obviously, you know, a movie nerd directed this and, you know, maybe he just thinks everyone does that, but I mean. <laughs> well, yeah, and then like you were saying about like the fashion, like, she's getting dressed, she's wearing a puka shell necklace, which is very... 90s 2000 yeah. but she's wearing a little pink dress which could be from now she's got a bra strap exposed which really bothered yeah. my friend Melissa. oh well that is definitely a more modern thing though okay you know so that is interesting um but she's getting ready for a date you see apparently a photo of her dad in the in the, her mirror oh okay i found that online this isn't my but that's how you know later on her dad is one of the entities oh i just kind of assumed that because she said she didn't want to tell but yeah, so her and this boy are going to go see Charade, which is something that people do. Like, we have a movie theater, you know, down in Atlanta. And For sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, but it is still just like... Wood. I just don't know about teenagers. Right. I'm very, very cool teenagers do it. Right. I mean, I just don't know. Especially, I don't know if... Okay, maybe she would do it. I'm not sure if she could take this moke, you know, <laughs> uh, Hugh. Uh, can we talk about Hugh? So yeah, Hugh is her, the guy she's been dating. Seems to yeah. be a nice guy. Yeah, even her sister likes him. Mm-hmm. So he shows up. He Though looks, he, he looks like a guy I would have liked in high school. Like that doesn't seem like a that sort of, I don't know, like the half beard. 
Yeah. It, well, he has a little bit of um, the OC vibe to me. A little bit. What's yeah. his name? Ryan? Yeah. Yeah. But but the scruffiness. He also looks a little like Rob Thomas from Matchbox 20. Yeah. That's hot. Well, and, I, and it was very sweet, too. I like his bomber jacket. Uh-huh. Um, I don't like his earrings. I'm not no. sure. Just... I dated a guy with earrings. Um, and then they, but they play the game about who would you want to be, and he chooses to be the little boy again, or going back to that nostalgia and wanting to be a kid again. Yeah, and um, he says because you have your whole life in front of you, though. So yeah. there's yeah, that's a little bit of a clue that he obviously thinks he's yeah she um she uh, I spies whatever the fuck she calls it yeah. a, a girl in a yellow dress and well, no, he, he does that. he yeah, does because he sees yeah. her and she doesn't yeah she's already played her game he sees it and she's like there's no girl and he's like we're leaving right now yeah well then they go and lay by the water I assume one of the Great Lakes I don't know again what happens up there in Michigan it's probably like Michigan. Um, and then they decide to go and do it in the car. I mean, I think we have to just, you know, get to the fact that this is a movie about a girl that has sex with a guy and then it's immediately punished for it, right? Right, which I think is, I mean, I'm sure that the director is kind of trying to play on the trope of... Right. Right. That, I agree that's what normally happens to horror movies, this idea that, oh, these teenagers have sex and they get murdered. Right. This is a movie about a teenager that has sex and almost gets murdered. Uh, obviously, the director must be super aware of that, as you say. I don't think this is what this is about in terms of that kind of value judgment being placed on this female character. No, I don't think so either. Yeah, I, I guess all what I was trying to say was that she seems to have no real, you know, she seems like a fairly sex positive character. She says later in the movie that she's already had sex with a neighbor back in high school. Right. Oh, um, Greg. She doesn't, uh, you know, this is the first time they've had sex with this, with this guy. But yeah, she, but probably it's been a few dates. But you can tell she's done it before because she, like, sure. kind of, you know, you can just tell. She's on top. <laughs> oh, jeez. But that, the scene... Pro move. I mean, the come. scene, obviously, this they knew how beautiful the scene was of her on top in the car because it's on the cover of the yeah. DVD. I mean, the way they pan out and everything is lit so beautifully. She's talking about when she's... Right before she's chloroformed, which again kind of ties back to our vanishing episode. You think of like... I don't know if you've seen in like sitcoms or some other kind of shows. They chloroform you and you kind of just go out. But... That happens in sitcoms? <laughs> I, well, I'm thinking about community, actually. It <laughs> okay. happened. There was a big comedic scene where that happens. And they kept chloroforming each other. And, oh, okay. <laughs> but it's very violent, like how we learned in The Vanishing. And that same kind of thing happens and it's terrifying. But right before that happens, she is playing with the little weed, and she's talking about being a kid again. And this theme keeps coming up about being a kid again, and how they they're just about. I mean, they're getting into almost being adults, and it's kind of sad to me too, thinking about that time of your life and you don't know what you're gonna do. We're old now, so, so we're old. good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Hugh turns out not to be so cool. He, uh, like you say, he chloroforms her. Uh, Doesn't even dress her. She wakes up in tied to a wheelchair in her underwear, and then he tries to explain. Hey, just calm down. But, Everything's fine. Let me explain to you. But isn't he being nice? He's at least giving him the rules. Well, he, that's what we were kind of trying to figure out. Like, is it any better if he would have just found a girl and raped her? He would have passed it on. Whatever. But All right, let's like, slow down. <laughs> let's talk about the rules first um, before we get into... Rape? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we'll just get straight into it. So as Hugh explains kindly and professionally to her, I would add, 
after chloroforming her and tying her down and having her left. I can't believe be, you're on Hugh's side. I'm not really. Okay. I'm just saying that I I think it's funny that he thinks he's doing this girl a favor. Um, but what has happened is Hugh apparently has slept with someone in the past that has given him an, uh, an entity that is following him. Right. Okay. It follows, right? Uh, it's unclear what the entity is, but uh, as he says, it's uh, it's very slow, but it's not dumb. So whatever it is, it, it uh, takes the form of whatever. He says it can be whoever. Um, you know, There seems to be no rhyme or reason to it, but we'll discuss it later. Uh, and as he explains, uh, it's going to try and kill you, and you have to pass it on yourself. If it right. kills you, then it is going to come back and kill me. Right. So really, he's being selfish. Yes, that's what I was saying. Yeah. So is it still he's still being selfish? Yeah. So, so you think that he's waiting and dating her and and having consensual sex with her, but really it's just so he can explain to her the rules. Calmly. So she can pass it on, so she can be even more safe. Yes. Right. But then again, what do you do in that position? But you don't want to just give it away to a stranger because then they're not going to know what's going to happen. They're going to get killed, and then you're going to get killed. It's very confusing. There's other ways to go about it, I suppose. He could just let it kill him. But if he lets it kill him, per the rules, it's just going to go after whoever came before him. Right. So, so that's maybe not he's cool. trying to protect the girl yeah. before him. They met the bar. He was a great guy. I mean, we'll just, <laughs> oh, shut up. Uh, okay. We're not going to agree on that. Okay. So Hugh, um, very kindly again, introduces her to her first follower, mm-hmm. which uh, I didn't know this, but according to IMDb is Hugh's mom. Oh, well, because they show her when they go to the door. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, I didn't I didn't notice that. Fair enough. But it, it does seem to play into maybe your fears a little bit. Seeing your mom naked? Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of nudity as yeah. far as that goes, which I also want to talk about. It kind of, it's kind of like, like hereditary when you see the old naked people at the end. Mm-hmm. That's just very scary. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I don't know what it is with our generation of filmmakers and just very well, and the witch too. Yeah, there's a naked witch. Naked there's something lady. about very mundane sort of everyday nudity like that where you don't expect it. That's just very frightening. Hmm. But yeah, so he uh, introduces her to her follower, and you see him run up to the follower, and it's clear that the follower is not following him anymore. So he also oh seems, yeah, yeah. He also seems to be testing it out a little bit right. to make sure he's passing on because he kind of gets close to her, kind of scoots back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of cute. I love <laughs> you. Uh, and then so she keeps coming at her, so he knows it's worked. Right. Uh, and then so he kind of says one more. He, he explains to her, "You need to be in a. Don't ever get yourself in a situation where there's only one exit." Uh, which explains his house a little bit, where there's all these circular rooms and right. Uh, and then he pushes out <laughs> and, uh, he, she's still drugged and yeah. And then she drops him off on her front lawn. Right. Her sister and her friends just sitting around playing old maid, which is something that one, that kids of that age probably wouldn't be doing, but people in general don't really play a lot of card games, especially young kids. Yeah. That's so kind of cool. I remember and, playing that when I was like six and loving it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I still love card games. I love games. Um, so I'm ready for the apocalypse for when everything burns to the ground and we build it back up and we just play games again. But anyway, um, and then so to their, it's, it's very traumatic, not only for Jay, but for her friends. Yeah, it's bad. Don't drink that. <laughs> we just had her second sip of the fans and it wasn't as good as the first time. Yeah. And so that's, it's very scary. So they call the police, obviously. And then we get the view of Greg, 
who is the hot neighbor, and the mom makes some comment about how they're just such a mess over there. So there's obviously some bad blood, and obviously they they have a reputation. Yeah, I kind of thought maybe it had something to do with whatever happened with the father. Like, right. did the father maybe kill himself? Or? I was wondering that. So, yeah, so she's thrown out of the car. Uh, her sister finds her. It looks like, like someone that has been found that has been raped. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of the visual motif, right? And so for all intents and purposes, she kind of has, I mean, do we, I mean, not literally, I guess, but. Oh, right. Yes. I yeah. mean, Greg, uh, uh, Hugh has violated her. True. Yeah. Without her consent. Yeah. He didn't let her, like, I mean, they had consensual sex, but there was no um, discussion of, oh, by the way, I'm going to give you this evil entity. Is that okay too? So yeah, it is a bit of a rape. Yeah. I mean, it's like you would um, purposely passing on, like, say that, you know, HIV or something. Right. Uh, it's, you know, that type of thing. Uh, well, I guess we can go ahead and acknowledge that. that. That seems to be a big theory out there that this is a representation of STDs. Yeah. I mean, it's so on the nose, it's barely even a theory. I mean, right. I feel bad about, you know, coming up with it. I put that in quotes. No, no. Uh, I mean, I it's think it's obviously something... out there. It's, yeah. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's there for the taking. Uh, and it's, it's, it's solid also. And then, but I think there's probably more going on to it than that. You know, there's, well, that's one of the things I like about this movie. I think the director is kind of can see this is you kind of put anything you want on, on what's happening and sort yeah. of, it, it's fairly loose that way. Yeah. You can make it as deep as you want. And is- SCDs is like, you know, maybe, Five foot deep. Yes. But there's, you know, there's like caverns there yes, <laughs> if you yes. want. So if, if Chris, you were in the same situation, what would you do? As Hugh? Or just generally? Uh, That's a good question. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, let's look, I'm Hugh. Let's just say like, I'm the guy. I'll, I'll accept the male blame for this episode. That's okay. fine. Uh, I'm Hugh. I'm hot. I'm wearing my earrings. <laughs> uh, I'm taking out this girl. Um, I wouldn't chloroform her. Okay. So straight up. I feel that I wouldn't be able to do that to someone. I don't mean chloroform someone or whatever. I mean pass on intentionally the the virus or the entity. I think you could. I, I'm going to throw this out there. I think you could live a valid, happy life knowing that thing is after you. So could you, if it started in Oregon, if you flew all the way out to Georgia, would it have to be walking that whole no, way? I did read the director says they would be willing to book planes. What? <laughs> I mean, why not? Uh, it's, it's just arbitrary as walking, I guess. But I do like the idea of like booking a plane ticket. Yeah, it's like slowly getting there. <laughs> uh, but it'd be like invisible. a trains, planes, and automobiles type yeah. thing. I guess they just sneak on the plane because it's invisible and do whatever it wants. Oh, that's true. You just couldn't live in the same place for very long. I guess you could let it chase you later. I think go back to your house, sleep there for a week. Yeah. By that time, it's back. <laughs> yeah. You, just have that you, you could have like, that job that George Clooney has in Up in the Air. Yeah. Where he's just like going from place to place to place. He's right. never home. Yeah. Like every six months, it shows up like, oh, God damn it. I have to like, you know, do this again. Right. Um, so I think that'd be better than like the guilt of like whatever wrath you've inflicted on these other people. So what would you do? I kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's your answer for every horror movie. Though. <laughs> no, it is. <laughs> It's always the answer. But that's a fun little game to play with a movie. Um, I think they wrestle it pretty well. Uh, so Jay's solution, obviously, is you know wrestle with it for like 24 hours and then immediately have sex with Greg. She's <laughs> <laughs> like, enough of this. Yeah. Enough. But so before all that, she um, has the first night in her house and Paul sleeps over. Uh, so is her first entity that girl in the kitchen? 
Well, no, the, no first, the first one is the old lady. Yeah, the old lady. That's which cool. I kind of thought, well, is that like her grandmother or something? Because they show like a picture on her wall of, of an old lady. Damn it. No, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think it is either. But um, I don't know what that's about. But Why again, do they part focus of these, on that picture? That's what I was wondering, actually. I don't know. And, or why is it an old lady? Why does it take that form? But exactly. Not, you know, oh, great. Seems, so now we have to talk about this. So is it other <laughs> victims? Because again, not, not offense to the old lady, but who's having sex with her? Or maybe they had sex with her. To get rid of it. But then also, at some point, there's a little boy, which, again, I don't want to go there. But also, sometimes it takes the entity of somebody who's already alive, still alive, like Yara. Yeah. Or a mom. So or maybe, it could mom. Be, maybe it could be all the above. Maybe sometimes it's its own. Well, that's not fair. Those rules aren't fair. I'm crossing my arms. Yeah. My arms were already crossed. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> there's got to be some rhyme or reason to it, though. I mean, it seems like the... I'm sure there's an answer that the director has in mind for why each ghost is what it is or entity is what it is and then the first ghost that they see in the house is probably the most disturbing to me i like how we call it a ghost i think this is kind of funny what do you call her i don't know a spirit i mean an entity? it's not necessarily a ghost it's like a dead person i don't know that looks like a woman who has been beaten and raped and so terrified that she peed herself okay so that was really scary to me just seeing that image of that girl yeah, that is. I think that's probably the scariest ghost that we see. Is um, well, beside the tall man, right? But I think also the setup of that scene is very scary, though, because you know there's gonna be something, and she's walking, right. she's downstairs. Someone's already just broken the glass in her kitchen or whatever. Paul's like no fucking good. He's you know, <laughs> I'm gonna he, get your sister. But I think the the most oh shit scene to me was when she locks herself in the room, and then Yara comes in, and then the tall man behind her comes into the frame. That. Was the most that made me like crawl up on my couch? That right. was the scariest scene to me. Yeah. So then, after she sees the tall man, she jumps out of her second story, and it's. I thought it was uh, interesting how she jumps on a bike and bikes over to a playground. Again, all these like images of being a kid. Yeah, she just gets on a swing and just sits there. Yeah, yeah. and also kind of that like Goonies, um, ET sort of vibe, like riding Kids the bikes. On bike thing, yeah. yeah. Go to the playground, and um, and then that's when we kind of meet Greg a little more formally, and he's he joins their little crew, just which is very very again very similar to Goonies or ET, and they're trying to get they're trying to solve something on their own as this little this group so, of young yeah. So I guess it's time to talk about Greg. Okay. <laughs> so Greg is wearing uh, his long hair, not too long, kind of you know strokes long. Yes. He's basically Julian Casablancas. <laughs> He's wearing a usually like a denim kind of, but very uh, washed out '80s denim jacket, mm-hmm. right? And then at one, one point, he's wearing like cut off sleeves, right? He is, uh, you know, usually washing his car. Right. Uh, he doesn't, you know, seem to, you know, he doesn't give an f about anything. He's very laid back. He's good with ladies. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's flirty. He obviously somehow screwed over Jay at some point, right? So we agree that he's a complete tool, right? He's my type of guy yeah. in a movie. Okay, so here we go. We're going to play right. our, our, our um, uh, F, Mary kill, fuck, Mary kill game. <laughs> so we have our three guys and we have our th- three girls, I guess. Oh, okay. So let's just mix it up. Okay. So um, let's start with uh, the guys because that's okay. easiest for both of us. So we have Paul, the, the, the hopeless romantic that's uh, in love with his older friend, Jay, mm-hmm. who's there the entire movie and you know, helpful and 
supportive, but just as I'll fuck you if you need me to. Right. Yeah. Just as just I'm he here wa- for a fuck. He also wants the same thing every other male character in that movie wants. Let's right. be honest. Okay. There's um, Greg, who I think we just explained quite adequately, and then of course Daniel Desario. Yeah, yeah. Daniel Desario. And then there's uh, Hugh, uh, the romantic hero of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'll let you go first. Fuck Mary Kill. Um, well, obviously I would marry Paul because I did. <laughs> okay. uh, <laughs> Paul slash little kid from Freaks and Geeks slash. Uh, who's the guy from Freaks and Geeks that's the little one? That's, um, oh, right. John Francis Daly. Yeah, yeah. That's basically him. Yeah. <laughs> um. Then I would uh, obviously fuck Greg. Rage over here. (laughs) And then I would kill Hugh. Why would you kill Hugh? Just because he starts the whole thing? Yeah. Okay. And he chloroforms her. That's so scary. Right. All right. Your turn. I would obviously fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I would, uh, again, uh, marry Paul because, hello, and, you know, kill Greg. I think Greg's just the biggest dick. Okay. So let's talk about the girls. Okay. Um, so we have Jay, the classic heroine. Not, mm-hmm. not so much classic, but we've talked about her quite a bit. We have her sister, Kelly. And then, of course, Yara, the eccentric best friend who reads literature all day. Right. and uh, just <laughs> One cent at a time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> On her e-reader. Right. Well, I would um, fuck Yara because she seems like fun. I would marry Kelly because she seems like a, has a good head on her shoulders. And I would kill Jay because she's got just like way too much baggage. Same answer. Really? <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, I mean, yeah, that's right. I, I mean, I don't, I feel mean about killing Jay because let's be honest, she's been through a lot. She's uh, going to get killed anyway. Yeah. That's kind of, I think like, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be very surprising if I killed you, honestly. Right. Yeah. Kelly, I think she's very sweet. Yeah. Um, she seems to be more mature than... Jay, even though she's younger, maybe she's had to like right. kind of take up some of the slack. I'm also a little bit mad at uh, Jay for, uh, you know, she starts dating Paul at the end. And I think I think she's using him a bit. Right. I don't think it's very nice. He, yeah. he, she's stringing him along. So she I think so. Clearly, I, it's not going to last. Yeah, clearly deserves to die. <laughs> <laughs> so then they go out together. They're going to go find Hugh, right? Right. So they find his house. They find his, um, I guess at some point she, he took her there or i don't really understand maybe she maybe she picked him up at some point they found well they found oh yeah right they yeah she uh, just she just kind of says she knows where he lives so but he wouldn't let her in or something but this house is obviously abandoned where he was kind of hanging out again we see the soda cans he's using soda cans to they say, they say soda up there right mm-hmm. um or pop no they say pop right oh, they say pop yeah we say coke yeah we say cokes we're morons <laughs> Speaking of. No, I'm, don't do it. I'm going to try my third sip of Fanta. Yeesh. <laughs> and so they they, they, um, they find a clue, which is a picture of him in his high school. So they go over to his high school to try and figure out who he is. So apparently there's a very helpful person there who helps with that. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and there's another 360 degree shot there, which is pretty cool. Yeah, at the high school. Mm-hmm. And you see us, girl, the, the, the backpack girl, yeah. slowly walking towards... The, you know, moving camera. Yeah. They never notice her. Like, it seems like you'd be aware of everything. Yeah. Well, either way, but, it doesn't seem to, you know, she doesn't attack them there. They kind she of doesn't get close enough because the last time we see her is when they're in the car. Yeah. And she's still like, God bless her, like 40 feet away. She's so yeah. slow. I mean. <laughs> and then they head out to Greg's 
lake house type thing. Yeah, he's a nice house. Yeah. Um, to try and hide out, and that just goes wrong, too. Right. So by this point, they're still kind of debating how to pass it on or if to pass it on. She's kind of mulling it over. So I guess she does take a little bit of time with it. Um, but at the lake, uh, the creature or whatever it is, you know, follows them. <laughs> and at this time, it's confusingly taking the form of Yara. Right, which is mm-hmm. weird because Yara's there. She's on. He's swimming. But around. it really doesn't matter anyway because her back is to her anyway. So it could have been anybody. Yeah. So it never really made a difference of who it was. But and she gets a. But she ends up getting away and she drives the car and crashes it. We end up back in the hospital. Um, and then so this is the time when she decides. Well, I guess I'll yeah, fuck Greg because that was a terrible day. So we're gonna just see what happens now. And so Greg says, "Sure, I'll take it, bro." Yeah. But to the point, you know. But you know. Paul was in the same position. Paul was also like, I will do it. You know, like. He's, yeah, and the, but I like how she was kind of like, yeah, of course you would. Right. Which is kind of like, but he's willing to. But then again, that's just kind of the same thing with Hugh. Like, there's no right answer. So, yeah, it's selfish that he wants to fuck this girl. But then again, he is taking on this entity for her. He wants to take on this burden for her. Right. But it's also, there's only, so, like, they kind of want to be seen as he's altruistic heroic characters for taking on the entity but it's like come on you kind of just but is it a selfless act though an act though because even though you are getting some benefit from it you will ultimately die but you also ultimately be able to sleep with the person you want to sleep with for god knows how many years yeah that's true it's like is that maybe for paul that may be worth it it's like i don't care (laughs) um and so I, i the most disturbing scene is to me when greg dies I rewound that scene, even though I didn't like it. I don't understand what's going on there. So she sees Greg this take the form of Greg walking down the street, right? And then Greg breaks into his own house. She knows that it's the entity. She runs over there. And when she opens it, so and then the mom is now the entity. Yeah, Greg's mom, yeah. With her boob hanging out. Which, again, is like, is that something that sons fear? Seeing their moms naked? It's not the worst thing in the world. Come on, we're not that gross. But anyway. But, um... So he gets in, she gets in, and it's like kind of raping him or rubbing against For sure. Yeah. It is so disturbing. Yeah. What is happening? I think you're kind of seeing ultimately it reminds me of, you know, like the succubus or incubus creature. Uh-huh. You know? There's a great X Files episode about it. But it's this entity that like sucks your soul and floats over you in bed, usually while you're having sex and sort of Gets off on that power. Uh-huh. Uh huh. That seems to be kind of like, and that maybe a clue onto what the creature is. Like it's it somehow kills you by like you know taking your sexual energy or something. I don't know. There's a Ooh. lot going on with that scene, and I agree because I think after uh, that scene played, I, I just said, "Was well, that was disturbing?" Yeah, because <laughs> uh, then they cut to him just being dead and blue. Right. Like what just happened? Yeah, she. I think he was he was kind of raped by his mom for. I mean, uh, yeah, that's kind of oh. it's all out there for sure. Yeah. Um, I think that's what it kind of does. It is a bit of a rape, and I mean, ultimately you're being killed, but. You can't untangle the sort of sexual connotations from from the monsters. I think what they're kind of showing there. But so after Greg dies, she kind of loses it, and she kind of just she finds some guys out on a boat, and it's kind of presumed that she kind of just goes out there and passes it on to them. Yeah. She, she goes out there in her bra and undies, and yeah, there's at least three of them, right? Yeah, so I guess she's gonna try and pass it on. Maybe she passes it on to all three of them. I don't know, whoever. Yeah. And then she's just like, okay, the body's in time. She heads back home. And then she finally, I think that's when Paul offers. It's like, no, I would do it too. 
And she's like, yeah, I know. Of course you would, yeah. (laughs) Look at me. But, and then Paul says, do you trust me? I have a great idea, which is the worst idea ever. So we get to that part? Yeah. So his huge idea has to deal with the pool, which again, they apparently they used to go to the pool when they were younger. Um, as a, they're a bad part of town, apparently. Yeah. It's below 8 Mile. As they're walking their yards, talking about when she was a kid, they're talking about that again. So they get there, and their big idea is to put Jay in the middle of the pool <laughs> and then surround the pool with electric things. Yeah, which I'm not sure. I, I guess they show them doing this, but it's still not clear. Like, do they bring all their toasters? And <laughs> They had, like, suitcases full of this stuff. That was Paul's great idea. Yeah. So now I changed my mind. I would kill Paul. <laughs> I yeah. would marry Greg. Marry Greg. Okay. It is easily, yeah, the stupidest idea that I've seen put on film. I think it's supposed to be intentionally dumb, though. I don't, I don't think it's supposed to be like this great plan because it doesn't really work, you know? It doesn't work at all. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, uh, it, but there's no proof that you can kill it, first of all. I mean, she shot the one and it got right back up. Yeah. So I don't think, I don't know why they think electricity would be any better. Right. If that is your plan. But it does seem like a plan, you know, some dumb kids would come up with, I guess. So Maybe. It didn't remind me of, like, Stranger Things. They get together and they think, hey, this will work. Maybe we'll do this. But their plans usually work. Yeah, but or you compare it to, like, It. Like, in It, they come up with some plans. But there's always, like, these ritualistic aspects to it or, like, something that's saw in a movie. Like, oh, Silver. Right. Maybe think more of the book. But like, at least there, there's some more logic to it. This is just fucking dumb. So. Yeah. So then the, finally the ghost comes in and that's when I kind of figured it was our dad because I think Kelly yells out like what does it look like which I don't know why they would have asked that who cares at this point you know yeah that's for the movie goer I guess yeah and so she's like I don't want to tell you who it looks who it is yeah I completely did not catch that when I watched it and so you kind of realize oh that's probably their dad and probably something bad happened there he or maybe he's not dead too. He may have left them. Yeah, and you first see him uh, when they escape. When they leave the house, he's on the roof. Naked. Is that him? I think so. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, he's naked. Yeah, he's so another again, another naked guy. Yeah, you got the I call it the hereditary thing. Although this is before hereditary, so maybe they got this from that. No. And then the ghost comes in and just starts throwing all the shit at Jay. <laughs> what do they think's gonna happen? Right. Because they already know this thing can pick up things. They already know this. They know that it can hurt the other people which again is odd especially like when that the tall man walks in and doesn't guard doesn't even notice him things like that again it's just getting into that the rules of it i think that we're just digging too deep on some things i can see the appeal of the plan as i think about it as a kid like we know okay it's quite a production right we, How, why do you think this is going to end the curse? we know okay we know the thing is going to follow her somewhere right so let's get her in a enclosed space we'll get her in the middle of a watery uh, pool it's gonna have to follow around the pool presumably and we'll just kill it <laughs> when it does that i can see kids thinking that and like well, why some... the pool though it's kind of like paranormal activity you know when they put like the powdered sugar down why don't they do that all around her and then they could see when the footsteps came mm. and then just use the gun they clearly already had instead of shooting poor yara <laughs> no one seems to care about yara as much as they do about jay um but they finally get Jay out of the pool because Paul happens to shoot the thing down. He can't see, but he happens to shoot it, whatever. Yeah, he's shooting dangerously close to Yeah, um, Jay gets out, and then they say, is it gone? Because they can't see it. And she looks down, and it's just blood everywhere. Right. So we don't get an answer. And then she goes home later, 
and does have sex with Paul. Yeah, so it's like a double precaution. Right. Like wearing two condoms. <laughs> <laughs> so not only do they think they killed it, which to Oh, and then credit, Paul, it seems, to goes out and finds a sex worker to have sex right. with. So they're trying to get as far away as they can. Right, right. So they think they've killed it, but if they haven't... Just to make sure. A, you're going to sleep with me. Right. Which, you know... Just selflessly, of course. Right. <laughs> and then I'm going to go... Ew, gross. He's then, like, gross, uh, but I'll yeah, do it. Yeah, and then I'm going <laughs> to go infect these poor sex workers. <laughs> I know, who already probably are down their luck. Right. They're, they're, they're sex workers in Detroit. Right. We, yeah, so in I'm the sorry, middle, Almost winter time. Anyway. Um, but it does, also, just on a practical level, it seems like a pretty sound plan as far as getting it away from you. Versus just offing yourself, which <laughs> we can't all be that brave, Christine. I'm sorry. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it seems like maybe it's worked maybe by the end of the movie, although it's, you know, ambiguous. But, you know, also by the end of the movie, Jay is now, I guess, dating Paul. Weird. Which, yeah, it's, it's like watching. That's going to, like, completely, like, upend their friend group, too. Mm-hmm. That's not going to work. Yeah, and it People feels like a brother and sister jealous. dating a little bit. It's yeah. just, it just doesn't, yeah. I mean, I like Paul, but. You know, poor guy. She's she needs a Daniel Desario. Yeah, she's like Kate on Lost. She can't just be tied down with Nathan Fillion, right. having Taco Tuesday, right? No, she's got to have her Sawyer. Yeah, and that says how hot Sawyer is because Nathan Fillion's an attractive guy. That's right. So then, the movie though, you do see in the very in the distance, you know, someone walking behind them. Yeah, but you don't know if it is someone just walking behind them. Yeah, but I mean, let's be honest. It's- but I like that it keeps it open, and you know that this is something they're probably going to be fighting. For the rest of their lives. Their short little lives. So do we have any um, final thoughts on the what happens in that movie? Or do we want to just talk about our true crime? Or We could just cut that segue <laughs> entirely. It's the worst one. <laughs> well, I guess we should rate the movie on a, on a scale of um, one to five somethings. Okay, well, maybe... Uh, one to five sodas? One to five crushed sodas. Or, okay. Um, I think this is easily five crushed sodas. I mean, it's it's scary. has great characters. It has Hugh. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I love it. I loved it when it came out. I think it's great. I think the ending kind of is it's, reaching. The ending is borderline nonsense school. So, I mean, I, of... I say four and a half sodas. Oh, God. Really... Slamming it. <laughs> it's not slamming it. Yeah. Not everything can give me five stars, Chris. Uh, well, I, okay, I'll, I'll agree with you. Four and a half sodas. I mean, because okay. yeah, you're right. It's not perfect, but it's it's a you know nothing. I mean, nothing's perfect. Hereditary. Hereditary maybe, is perfect. Right. Um, we may have to get a ragnophobia of five ragnophobes <laughs> too. <laughs> All right. So I know we talked about kind of how this reminds us of an STD or our shame or whatever. But what I kept thinking about, and I, and I know in this movie it affects men and women, but mostly women and the women that we see, they're so violent. Uh, Annie in the beginning with her leg broken off, um, especially the girl in the kitchen who clearly appears to have been beaten and raped and been, you know, so violated. Um, there's other women who's, Boobs are just hanging out. And, and also just reminded me of um, having a stalker. Kind of like, you know, I watched that show You, where Penn Bagley plays a stalker. And I've had a stalker. And it's very scary. 
And it just kind of reminds me of like, you always kind of feel like this person is slowly walking towards you. You're never going to be able to escape them. Mine wasn't as bad as like, you know, most domestic violence cases, right? Is this too deep? No. Okay. So the Violence Policy Center releases a study um, every year called When Men Murder Women. Isn't that fun? And they released it for the past 21 years. They always release it in October um, because of Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Uh, the, the most recent one they have is from 2016. So I just wanted to reiterate how terrifying it is to be a woman. Um, I think we've covered that pretty well in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so they study homicides that are involving a female victim and a male offender. And they found that nationwide... 93% of women killed by men were murdered by someone they knew and that the most common weapon used was a gun. Uh, most often, the females were killed in an argument. So in addition to supporting the renewal of the Violence Against Women Act, um, they also try to adopt laws that ensure that guns are not allowed by abusers and stalkers, which is huge. Um, and then, so just the idea of stalking that happens to women and, and men. So there is, um, so 61% of female victims and 44% of male victims say that they have been stalked by a current or former intimate partner, hmm. which is a lot. How many, what percent of male, 44% of male victims? Yeah. It seems high to me. That's, that's kind of. Well, I mean, women. Um, I blame I, but it I wonder, for women, but I mean. Obviously, women can be crazy, too. But I wonder what at what point... I bet the point of violence with that is much lower. Yeah, and men may have a much broader definition of stalking. And again, nobody should stalk anybody. But um, 76% of intimate partner femicide, which is obviously a murder of a woman, oh. um, has been you stalked. You said obviously a murder of a woman. And I'm like, I was quirking my head like, what does that word mean? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, have been stalked. Before being murdered by their partner, 76%. 67% have been physically abused by their intimate partner. 89% of female victims have been physically assaulted or stalked within the 12 months. This is all women who have been murdered by the men. And 54% of the victims reported stalking to the police before they were killed. I found all this on victimsofcrime.org. I'll put all these links on our show page. And then, of course, because of all the, the Me Too stuff, we've learned that one in three women have been sexually abused. One in six have been raped. And so I just couldn't help but think, and I know if it follows, it probably seems more like on a surface level sort of thing. But when you see those images of those women, right. it just I couldn't get it out of my head. Just from all the true crime that I've learned about, too, and read about, that it just, it really bothered me. And there are, of course, the Jody heiresses out there who do take it to the next level and end up murdering their partner. But in most cases, unfortunately, it is the woman. Yeah, well, it's viewed as, you know, not so much anymore, but viewed as like romantic. Oh, this guy just won't give up. Right. <laughs> you know, that type of thing. You right. know, can't buy me love or whatever where he like, what, like gives a girl a love potion or something or what is it he does? I'm not sure, but... But yeah, you see, it's endearing and like, uh, but it's just, it's not okay, right? right. <laughs> so do you have a uh, true crime for this episode slash movie? Well, um, if I'm opening it up to any sort of stalker type crimes, that kind of, is that cheating? I don't think so. Okay. I found a little story about this woman named Colette Dwyer 
who in 99 was uh, being stalked and harassed by a man that she didn't really know. They were employees together somewhere. But anyway, he like busted into her apartment and said that um, they should date, which is that's how you that's how that works, right? I think so. Yeah. And I don't date many girls, but <laughs> I understand that's how it works. Yeah, that's what we like. Okay. <laughs> and but he, he didn't stop harassing her. And so he she filed stalking charges and he actually got arrested. At this time, Colette didn't realize it, but this was actually a active serial killer in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And so this guy, uh, his name is Derek Todd Lee. He started out as a peeping Tom as a young boy, like about 9, 11, somewhere in there, he already started. That's how it starts. I mean, like little boys and it follows. That seems innocent, but that's not, you can't do that. That Most boys don't really do that. I mean, I know you have like porkies and things like that, (laughs) but it doesn't really, I mean, obviously that happens, but... Speaking for the male gender, it's, it's right. not really a thing. I mean, it's, I, I, I mean, it's, I wouldn't think so. It's like always a problem. <laughs> I mean, that's what I kind of think about, like with, um, like I'm getting to the age where I'm afraid people are going to consider me like a cougar at some point, <laughs> <laughs> and I and and you kind of think like that. That's just kind of something that happens. Like you, but I have absolutely no attraction to men younger than me, especially yeah. young, young, like 18 year old men. Right now, I know that like, oh, that's not right. It doesn't matter that it's a woman and a young boy or, a, you know, it's <laughs> <laughs> really not right. I mean, it doesn't matter that it's a woman and a man. It doesn't matter. It's still, that's still a kid. Yeah. If we're talking about like an 18, 19, 20 year old, that is a bit. It's a yeah. Bit so it's just always like, a child to me. Yeah. I would never. Yeah. So it's just like, I don't, now I'm like, oh no, that's not right. It's not really cute to be a cougar or yeah. be considered that. And I, I never, I, I wasn't worried about becoming a cougar. <laughs> But I just you realized you just slip into it one day. <laughs> I, I just liked the realization that I was like, oh, no, that's. I mean, we're on quiet tangent right now, but <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't think that you're at all in the cougar range. So I, I always thought that was like more like. Yeah, like I guess late it is 40s, later. 50s. But but it's nice that I already had the realization that oh, that's something that like. And maybe you just haven't hit your cougar like <laughs> puberty yet, or whatever happens. Maybe that's it. <laughs> yeah. So Derek Todd Lee. He started, um, we don't have to do, go through his whole backstory or anything, but he's a bad guy. I mean, he's a typical kind of uh, serial killer. The only difference with him is that he's African-American. Which is rare, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, it's serial, not, it's not, 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 it's not rare to be an African-American. But. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, I mean, I want to say it's like 90% white males are usually serial killers. There's been more that have been kind of coming up, but um, in that, and this was in the, 90s, 2000s. So again, we're still figuring out exactly what serial killing and that kind of profiling started in the late 70s. You know, there still hasn't been that long that they really understand it. So they get like a profile of these few murders that have happened and they get a profile from the FBI and they're like, you're looking for a white male in his early 20s. And so they're looking for the wrong guy. Derek Toddley continues to... Wait, was he at least in his early 20s? I don't think so. No. Well, okay. So he was born in 68. So he was like 30-something probably. Yeah. No. Yes. 20-something. What year was it? (laughs) (laughs) 31. Yeah. Okay. So they're way off. (laughs) It wasn't that far off. But I mean, again, I think the main thing is that they're looking for the wrong man. And also one of the other problems was because there was another active serial killer in Baton Rouge, Louisiana at that time. Crazy. Who was um, Sean Vincent Gillis, a white male. Um, so 
it was not the safest time to be living in Baton Rouge anyway. But so there's a few women that had been murdered. And actually, Colette was the one who was kind of going back to the police and saying, like, um, I think you guys need to be looking back at this Derek Todd Lee guy. Who had already been arrested. Yeah, he was arrested for her stalking, okay. went to jail for two years. And then when he was out, he started his serial killing again. And there's because there was some survivors. And there was actually a young couple who he, like, took a, a machete to. And luckily, they both survived. But they said that it was this guy. But the police, again, were like, well, that's probably not our guy. Then we're looking for a white guy. There's another woman who was raped and survived. And she picked him out of a lineup. And again, for some reason, he wasn't arrested for the serial killings. It wasn't all connected. You know what I mean? Like, so he got... I think he got arrested for the rape. Um, he went to jail for lots of different things. Burglary, voyeurism, <laughs> assault, stalking, all kinds of stuff. But um, he didn't get arrested for the murders until finally they got DNA evidence. So it took a little while. They, this, even in like in the late 90s, DNA was not like um, a for sure thing. And so they finally got DNA on an old case and then they tied into that and then they were able to, then they kind of like, oh shit, it's that guy that she was talking about. So they ended up arresting him and he was tried for three murders, but apparently he has been tied to uh, over seven. They was convicted of the murder of Gerilyn DeSoto and Charlotte Murray Pace. But so not only was he stalking these women, he was harassing them, and then it eventually ended with their rape and murder. So he was a very, very bad guy. Is he in jail now? Well, he, he was convicted in 2004, and, well, he was convicted for two murders and sentenced to death, but he died of heart failure. Oh, that's a shame. I know. In, like, 2016. What? Yeah. Okay, and again, we're not going to get into... The death penalty again. Yeah. <laughs> and, and just for the record, I mean, I'm not for the death penalty, I just don't know what else you you do with Ted Bundy, right? <laughs> right. I mean, what else do you do with him? He keeps escaping. What is it? Burn, Bundy, burn? <laughs> yes. We'll just say that on every episode. <laughs> there also the other thing that is interesting about him, and I say that like is in a terrible, terrible way, is that it's he's a black serial killer murdering white women. And usually it's they don't serial killers don't kill outside of their race, which is a very odd thing, but then there also was I think there was a couple black women also. So this guy is just He doesn't shit. fit the MO. Yeah, which is hard. You know, that seems like it's um, so nice for the FBI to be like, great, now we can fi- we figured these guys out. But then there's always going to be somebody that doesn't. Some outlier, yeah. Yeah. And this is Derek Todd Lee, which is really interesting. There's not a lot of information on him, which, I mean, I don't want him to get too much notoriety, but it's also pretty interesting that all of this lined up the way it did. He became known as the Baton Rouge Serial Killer. Not a very good title. <laughs> it's not the best, but yeah. at least he's gone. No, Night Stalker. Oh, jeez. That's I, a good one. When I do that, then we're going to have to have like a whole episode on that. Like I, that what, what, what are we going to link it to? Uh, Richard Ramirez. Um, we'll see. That is It Follows. Thank you for listening. Um, once again, uh, please uh, rate, review. Did we already do this? I don't think we did. 
kind of did. Right. Well, rate, review, and subscribe, please, uh, if you like. Um, <laughs> leave us some nice comments. Um, tell us again what movies we should cover or talk about or just anything you want to um, let us know. Yeah. And again, our theme song is by our friend Gabby Watts. Her Instagram is at Gabby Rotts, G-A-B-B-I-E-R-O-T-T-S. Um, also, finally, if you have any theories about why, and this has been bugging me all day, but why the um, the entity takes the, the specific forms it does, uh, let us know. Let us know your theories. Like, what is the old woman about? What is the bleeding, I mean, I'm sorry, the, the peeing girl about? Right. We'd like to know. Okay. All right. Well, thanks. Bye. Good night. <laughs>